Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 436, Dan Wentworth. This is Dan's part uh, of the 50 plus years of selling. Um, section that I'm doing, uh, this whole series, where I'm trying to help people understand that you can enter this business at any age. Um, it is not easy. It's simple. It is not easy. Um, but, you know, Dan, Dan's a 20-year overnight success. I joke with him about that, but it's true, is that he started in his 40s. Um, so if you could start in your 40s. So if you're in 40s, Dan's a good example of somebody who's attained incredible success by starting in his 40s. So my the premise of this this series, again, is to help you insert yourself in a place where you might feel comfortable to realize that others have been there too, um, and you're not different. Um, it's not too late for you. It will not be easy, but it is simple. Let's get into the podcast. All right. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum. I'm very excited about today's returning guest, and I've had him back on a whole bunch of times. And I thought it was just so important to have him help lead me off on this 50 plus years of selling. Um, I think I think it's really important to understand his age and when he started and his 20 plus years of overnight success, Dan? Is that it? 20 plus years? 20, yeah, 20 plus years of overnight, of overnight success. Uh, Dan Wentworth. Welcome back, Dan. Uh, good to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you. Um, you want to hear Dan's story, go back to episode 172. It was the first time in 2017, three plus years ago, um, I had Dan on, and his story is just mind-blowing. Selling a million dollars on eBay, uh, which is easy, right? It's simple, easy. It's easy to ship, no customer questions, never a problem. That's easy. That's an easy channel. Um, and to do that, and now to be 10x that on Amazon uh, with a little bit of eBay. So it is a great story. Uh, it is a 20, 20 year overnight success, as I said. I mean, it took a long time to get here. So I want to lead here, Dan. First off, how old are you now? I am 61 years old. I turned 61. 61. And so if somebody started 20 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're 41 now, they can start and get to your level, correct? Oh, absolutely. Be and nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the path that's out there now, though, it is an easier road than I took. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I thought about that. Uh, to get, think of all the learning that you had to think of the pioneering. I guess that's probably the best word. Think of the pioneering that you and I and all the longtime sellers have done. There wasn't any of this software. There was none of this magic stuff that we can do. Amazon really wasn't there in a big way yet at that point, at least for us. Um, and now... You know, you and I both know, we just we just saw somebody who uh, sold a million dollars in the last 90 days. Did I see yep. that? 90 yep. days. that crazy? Yeah, yeah. And he had done his first million dollars in the first uh, nine months. He had never done a million dollars before. He did nine months to do his first million, and in the next 90 days, he did a second million. So the opportunity is here, um, although it is simple, not easy. Is that fair? That's very fair, yeah. Okay. It's, it's hard work. It is It is the hardest work I've ever done. Um, I will tell you that I believe Dan is probably, and Dan's heard me say this, so he's not going to be embarrassed, uh, he's probably the best people developer in our business that I know. Um, he has that skill set. And 
if you go back into Dan's story, and we just had this conversation last week, Dan, uh, Christmas Eve or whatever it was, we were talking about back when you worked for CVS. Now, you were a district manager for CVS, and the reason they picked district managers is why? Well, they're looking for somebody who can work with managers, you know, develop their managers. But you had a successful store. Correct? I did. Yeah. yeah. So you've proven that you can do it, and so they're like, ooh, this guy's in charge, and put him in. But I, I can't imagine that all 17 stores that you had had great people. Fair? Correct. Yeah, that was one of them. That's probably, in, you know, I'm not sure this is where you're going, but it's, it is an interesting point. When you start managing people, you can no longer fix your, pro your own problems. As a store manager, it was my store. I could get a store fixed. But now you've got 17 stores, like you said, so you have 17 less. You know, some are, some are rock, uh, rock stars and some aren't. Well, I'm, I'm likening this to your current model. You've got 23 yeah. employees, 24 employees, correct? Somewhere yeah. there. Yeah, we have a right in that area. Yeah. yeah, and so you're like an orchestra leader, right? And where it gets worse is like, and I don't know that this is how an orchestra works. I've been to the, like the Philharmonic before, but I know there's one guy up there in charge. I don't know if there's a lead uh, flute. I guess there is, right? First chair, flutist, and then the other people follow their lead. That's yeah. probably what makes it even harder. So not only do you have to lead like an orchestra leader with all your staff, but then you have people that work for people, which makes it even harder. Fair? Right, right. Yeah, it is. It's a funny analogy because I always tease Michelle that the guy's not doing anything up there, just waving a stupid wand. But but it is, and, and you're, you're just trying to key the timing. And, and what, you, what you're trying to develop the people not only to, to – to play the music to your beat, but also that they have the people under them. So I'm not necessarily looking to direct the second chair and the third chair. I'm hoping my first chair is doing that developing. That's part of my job in teaching him how to manage is that he'll do that. I would argue that's the hardest part. I, I really would argue. And I, I wonder, and I, what I was hoping to get to in this conversation, um, and this isn't where I wanted to take us to begin. I told you I was going to take you to a certain spot. This isn't it. But it's just so important to understand, how do you recognize those people to bring, when, you're, when you're hiring them? How do you, and then how do you develop them? Because I think it's like you've proven in, what, probably 30-plus year career, 35-year career, that you can do it. You did it for CVS, and then you come into this world, and you've done it. You've got, you've got a big, strong A-team. I mean, a strong A-team. You've got bench strength, deep deep bench strength. We do, I agree, yeah. We have a good starting five and definitely a good bench as well. Um, I, you know, I, I honestly would say that I don't, when we bring in, and we could go through each and every one of them that we brought on that are now rock stars. We didn't hire them to manage people. That wasn't our ultimate goal. We brought them on because, you know, I used to have a saying with CVS, hire the smile and teach them the rest. Hmm. So what bring in a certain type of person that we feel will fit the mold in our business and then we let their actions and their their drive and their accomplishments you know dictate in what direction they go so is that still true hire the smile and teach them the, uh, the rest for what yes. you're doing now really and so give me an example so that guy comes in and he says you know you've met the guys that are full of crap that can sell you anything right they just ah, you know they're all sizzle no steak right that's yep. the phrase all, all yep. that no cattle how do you filter and, that? And, well, I've been fooled. You know, I'm not. I don't have mm. a perfect filter by any means. You know, but it, it the proof is in the pudding once they come on board. So they might get their foot in the door. You know, we've been fortunate. We've had probably in the 20 years we've had two people leave us on mm. their own. 
three or four that we've had to let go. Um, but but the proof, like I said, the proof's in the pudding. So once they get on board, you, you can see what they're doing and what they're not doing. So they're just not going to advance. Okay. All right. So you hold them back. And, and that doesn't mean that they can't be valuable, right? It just means that they go in this box as opposed to this. Exactly. They found their niche. As, as, as uh, one of my favorite movies, Caddyshack, they said, the world needs ditch diggers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I just think that when I, when I sit back and I look at people development, and Dan's helped me a lot. We have nine at our company now, including me and my wife and my son. So we have nine. And we need two more. Right, Dan's. Every time I'm with him, he's like, "Steve, you got to hire that. You got to hire that. You got to hire that." Finding those people, and then you know, it's just so hard. I don't want to put an ad in the paper. I don't want to, you know, go on Career Builder or any of that junk, because I'm going to get a thousand people who say they're they're right for this. But I'm I'm really trying to find someone through a relationship. Is that how you find most of your people? Every single one of them. We 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 really have been blessed to grow organically. We've we've had a friend, you know, I. Adam is, is our, our VP operations. You know, he had a guy that he worked with that he could swear, he could, uh, you know, stand up for him. We brought him on board. And he had an uncle, Brett, I had an uncle that came on board. And my wife had a, a, a nephew that wanted to come on board. So we've really been blessed that, that it's all grown organically. So mm -hmm. we haven't, like you said, we haven't had to go out and look for strangers. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm only. I'm putting the word out there, you know, carefully, um, because I what I could tell the everybody here. I'm like the right person's going to come along. Let's find somebody. I don't want problems. I don't want grief. Um, and we'll teach them. I mean, it's like you, you know, this isn't that hard. Um, it's just got to have the right uh, attitude and stuff. All right. All right. Just a quick follow-up note on that. Right. Was, and we had a position that was open. We had three people from our company say hey don't forget i get this guy and i have this woman and i have this guy you know so oh, we had wow we kind of have a like a waiting line <laughs> do you think they would long they wouldn't mind the eight hour commute to here or you think or <laughs> 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 all right so here's what i was going to lead with and yep. i thought this would be a good way to go okay so 61 year old dan um you're having an incredible year. You hit milestone after milestone. So let's just talk about big changes that you made in your business. I know that's one of those things down low, lower I was going to ask you, but I want to lead with this because I think we're going to see some of this dribble in in some of these other questions. So what big changes have you made in your business this year? Well, uh, is, is anyone who has heard the old uh, interviews, we were 90% RA. We did start to dabble with a little bit of private label, but you know, it, we were kind of known for our Nike and our and our clothing and footwear. And then probably mid last year, we started to look into wholesale a little bit. We got some advice from a couple of good friends, and we looked into grocery wholesale a little bit. When that so when COVID hit in February, end of February, first of all, we took some advantage of the of the quick flips um, as that was out there, but we got into grocery. And so that started to dominate our business. So by mid-year, we were probably 50-50 RA and wholesale. And if you didn't do that, you would have experienced what we experienced, right? Because we were big shoe and clothing people ourselves. And you couldn't send inventory in or they wouldn't sell it, right? Or they would say, oh, it's going to ship to you four months from now, customer. <laughs> and customers were like, forget this. And they canceled, right? And so you, a lot of your friends saw that. Yeah. But because you guys made that transition or you were in that transition, you were able to capitalize on it. Yeah, and I think key, capitalize is the key word probably because we immediately recognized it and just went all in, you know, and maximized. We bought, we overbought in that 
category. I would, uh, it was hard to say overbought in that situation, but we went in very deep and very wide to see what would hit and you know and what stuck. We we went heavier on and what didn't really you know pan out. We backed off on. So but would have been struggling. For is sure. that is that a pro tip then at this point is to to get into those extra categories in some way in some format, especially get approval because that's always smart to have. So you have that ability. And then that way you can, as the market swings, and it will swing, guaranteed. New president coming in, new right. environment, it's going to swing. We don't even know where it's going to go, but we know that it's going to be different. And and so because you're in those extra places, you're in a position to take care of it. Now maybe you might not be able to, but at least you're in a you have a shot. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a really important point to to talk about. Okay. All right. So. Uh, you were our, you were, and now you're what percentage RA would you say? Well, um, if because so that was mid year. Um, what also happened at the beginning of the year, we had gone to a trade show for some closeout products, and we ended up connecting with a wholesaler, a toy wholesaler that we really crushed it with. So, fast forward to the end of the year, by for December, we were probably 10 to 15 percent RA. Uh, 30% wholesale, and then the rest was with, with this uh, distributor. It's basically white label, in essence, really, right? Basically. We use some of their brands. I, I think, you know, I haven't been shy saying what it was, was we had to deal with, with uh, Big Wheels. So um, they dominated it, and then through that, we got some relationships, and we did start white labeling, as you said. And our, our home run this December was with sleds. Well... It, yeah, I don't even know if it's white label anymore because you really are having a manufacturer. In that case, the sleds are a perfect example. You had a manufacturer for you, so that's really is private label at that point. Correct, correct. I mean, that's I mean, perfect private label. Right. They'll still put their brand on it and in the background, you know, manufactured by, but it is our name on the front and center. And <laughs> made in the USA. So but, you're not dealing with the inspection issues. You're not dealing with the the freight container issue in Stockton, California. One of our customers is like, they can't get shipments into California because, or Long Beach, I guess it was, because the, the containers are so backed up, they can't get them in. You didn't yeah. have to deal with that, did you? No, not for this for this source. You know, we do have some private label that we mm -hmm. bring in. Yep. Yeah, 25% customs, but most of the majority of it, no. It's all made in the USA. And it's actually a great selling point. People are looking for stuff made in the USA as well. Well, and, and what's great is you actually can talk to the owner. Actually, you, you been to his place you could physically go see it and you don't have to deal with it. that's so smart oh so smart but that relationship you know you've said this to me and uh you just don't understand why they like you guys so much correct you said that yeah yeah they take he's taking the shining to us for sure now you I'll, I'll i'll make you blush a little bit when you shine on others then the light comes on you Right. I mean, you're not going out there acting like a big deal, like, oh, we're the biggest sellers and blah, 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 blah. We're going to do this for your business. No, you're humble and you're saying, wow, this is amazing what you've done. Yeah, we're excited for the opportunity. Is what it is. Yeah, that's what he sees, Dan. And he sees it not only in you, in your team. Every one of you know, it's funny. You've met my guys and they're they're wonderful. Yeah. All, all of your guys have that pride that. How did you? How do you get that? How do you get them to see that pride, that sense of, I helped do this. 
it, it, that's a that's a really good question. It's an environment that we're all just so excited about. And each and every one of them, you've met them. They all have ownership. Most of them own parts of our business. It's almost like a bunch of small businesses running at the same time. You know, um, different different players manage the different brands of the suppliers for us. So they're proud of what they do, and, and some of them get a piece of it if they. Yeah. Would Would you say that that's like because I, I I'm at that point now thinking about that because I have somebody chasing a particular thing and I'm like I'm going to give them a spiff if they can land it. Yeah. But would you say that that's what's created that loyalty that they're not turning over because I think that's more important than the money. Yeah, I, I think about that often because I've told our guys, we have probably four guys on our team that could really go out and just kill it on their own on Amazon. Amazon, And I wouldn't blame them if they did. So there's a couple of things. One is the environment, I think. There's no risk involved for them. And they're in a place where they kind of control their day. They, they schedule out their day. They you know There's nobody breathing over their neck. They held accountable at the end of the day. But they like I said, they're almost running their own little business. And number two, and, and we don't hesitate to compensate them well. We each each full timer gets a piece of the profit at the end of the month, and some of that can be pretty significant, um, greater than a week's pay for them. So, okay, and, and significant. I mean, he's being a little humble. Dan was able to make it to the eight-figure club this year, which is like unbelievable. My two closest friends have both made it there. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I love. I love. Uh, I love your success. Um, so deserved. All right. So I'm going to roll through some of these things. And so what I wanted to get to are um, just a bunch of kind of general business things. And I think this is where it's going to be helpful. Okay. Remember, this is a 20-year overnight success. Okay. So none of this magically happened overnight. So your revenue range, I've already kind of, I hope you don't get embarrassed by it, but you're over the eight-figure mark this year, which is yeah, was, unbelievable. It was, that was our goal. That probably we started it in May where we set that goal. And um, didn't look like we were going to make it, but we did hit it with a couple of weeks to spare. And and you had your you had a six figure day, your first. Yeah, so December for us brought our first hundred thousand dollar day. It brought our first million dollar month, which was pretty crazy that we hadn't hit it. I mean, it's a huge number, but when we did, you know, eight million last year, and to squeeze it without hitting it, so. We hit our first million dollar month, and then at the end of the month, we hit our ten million dollar mark in revenue. I remember there, last year you were you were nine you were like in the nine hundred. You thought you were going to get it in December or November. I forget which month it was. I remember you sharing it with us, and you didn't quite get it. And yeah, it was thousand. That's crazy. All yeah. right, and you're selling on Amazon. Majority yep. of your revenue, would you say that's the biggest percentage? Absolutely. We we probably did. Um, we just started to introduce Walmart and we'll probably do not not shabby three or four hundred thousand dollars on Walmart. Okay. But three percent so I mean three or three or four percent not a big deal um, and, and I agree with you that the percent I mean especially with your products um, I mean that's gonna be the opportunity right that's that's gonna really expand. How about on eBay I know you still do your returns and stuff on eBay. Yeah we, we have uh, one of our guys runs it exclusively for us it's basically to handle our returns okay. while Seems like a muddy job. It's it's definitely pays for itself and then some. So we, our returns pretty they flow through pretty good. Yeah, your space that you dedicate is the size of my bathroom in my warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I have eight thousand square feet uh, uh, ready for eBay. I mean that's it's so different. It's hilarious. Um, okay, so um, and we've already talked to you what you are ROA ROA to that even to yeah. that point. Oh, you have 8,000 square feet. I, I 
honestly remember when we first went on Amazon, we dedicated an eight by eight room because we weren't we didn't even know what FBA was when we first started on Amazon. So our whole warehouse, which wasn't big, you know, three thousand, you know, twenty five hundred square feet, um, we had an eight by eight room called our Amazon room, and we said, can imagine one day this might be our eBay room, and the whole building could be Amazon, and we were that was pie in the sky thought, you know. It's really important to understand. I guess we're getting to that section is um, the warehousing and 3PL. We'll talk about that in a second because you've got inventory in a lot of places, and I think it's worth talking about that. And again, when you were doing a million dollars, how big was the facility that with eBay? How big was the facility you were working out of back then? Probably about uh, when we hit the mark, it was 1,800. Right, the year that we hit it, we were still in my garage. Okay. So in your garage, a two-car garage, in your house, I've, I've seen it, a two-car garage, you were able to do a million dollars in business out of there. Right. That, that August, we moved into our warehouse, but basically. Yeah. And, and you were shipping it all. I mean, because this is eBay. So you were literally boxing it, bagging it, whatever it is, and sending one, it out. One at a time. Oh. <laughs> and it's, like I said, so easy. Customer service is so easy. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. Current business structure. Where are you at now? Are you a corporation? We are a corporation, yeah. Okay, so how long have you been a corporation? Michelle incorporated us probably right in 2015 when we went on Amazon. Okay, so Michelle, the brains of the operation, uh, 2015, so about five years ago. But you were operating as a sole proprietor prior to that? We were. Okay, all right. And so think about that. 15 years, you were able to operate that, in the, and you must have been doing millions. Well, the, in, in total, we were, yeah. We, yeah. We, Hit a million that year. Okay. So we, All right. So yet, operated. We did hit one point two. So is your counsel to people? I mean, it, you know, start out without the complications of the corporation, and then work your way into it. You're not giving legal advice. I understand that. Yeah, I would have to. I would have to defer to Michelle on that. <laughs> there you go. Yes, yeah, his wife's a lawyer. Okay. All right. Plus, she's the brains of the operation. We all know that. I, um, okay. So sure. current warehousing, and what's interesting to me is. Uh, You've just moved, because you're not busy enough, you just moved into two new warehouses. Two, let alone not just one. Both of your warehouses are relatively new, correct? They are, yeah. They, they, well, here in Massachusetts, we were in that small 1,800 square foot. We had a, a storage garage that we used to rent to. So we moved into a place in Massachusetts, two buildings, and then in Chicago. He's been in a warehouse for about a year and a half, but he just moved into a bigger one this year. And it's phenomenal. I mean, you can see you post videos uh, of the operation a lot, and I've been to your Massachusetts one. It's phenomenal the way you utilize space. You don't waste space. Yeah, well, uh, living in, uh, working out of the 1800 made us appreciate it. So now we, we kind of stay on top of it. Yeah, that's a bad habit that can creep in. So because you didn't have that bad habit, you didn't have a choice. You right. had to, so hmm, that's interesting because again, I have uh, we're up to twenty six thousand square feet, and I've got right. piles in a lot of places. <laughs> Not good. A couple, fine. So I appreciate you very much. <laughs> yeah, I do have some of your inventory. I, I appreciate having it. Um, staffing. Let's talk staffing. So okay. you now have a pretty big organization, um, and you know, to be fair. Uh, you are that orchestra leader, and you have a sub-orchestra leader, so I don't want to downplay his responsibility. But you, you have told me you still have to keep your finger on the pulse pretty much every day, correct? I, I do. I probably don't have to, but I do feel more comfortable for myself, you know. And I think Adam, Adam, so Adam Casey runs our operation. I, he's probably more comfortable with me being involved because he doesn't want to take too many steps in the direction that 
I don't want to go, but he has a really good feel for me. But I do stay in touch on a daily basis. Absolutely, you know, probably last month I've been in the building more than I've been out of it. Yeah, especially because you again changed over to an MF operation uh, versus um, FBA because you really had no choice. Right. Again, right. that's the. Would you say that your your team's ability to adapt is one of their greatest strengths? Yeah, we, we have flowed with the traffic you know, flowed with the business. For us to change, we're actually maybe a little overstaffed now because the current business model doesn't take the manpower that the old one did. But yeah, that's a big strength. And to be honest with you too, this um, we haven't really talked about the tribe group that uh, we're both uh, members of, that that is part of their foray too, is to be ready to flex, you know, be ready that if, if, if you're an Amazon seller and you're not prepared to sell, to ship yourself, you should be. Because that we did, Probably thirty percent of our business in December, we shipped it ourselves. And you weren't positioned for that. You know, it's funny. You like you always say is you have a bunch of people. Your organization designed for RA, which is high speed, get out there, go, 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 get it in, process, 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 ship it, ship it, ship it, ship it. Right? Boom, boom, boom. Everybody go, 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 go. And now when you're ordering pallets of stuff in. All right, let's go unload the truck, right? right? All right, let's bring it in. Let's open those boxes. Very exciting, right? Let's uh, bring it all out. Um, way different. Yeah. How do they slow down and not lose interest? Uh, probably a challenge. Okay. Uh, uh, to be honest with you, you know, I, I don't think we did it optimally, but a lot of that is the involvement of the management staff to keep them excited. What we'll do is we'll share a lot of our numbers and what's moving and what's hot and what's exciting. You know, so involving them in the process, right? Just rather than saying, go move that box. Hey, let's look at what's inside that box. Look at this. How cool is this? Look at what we have to do. And so they feel part of it again. We tell them about the new items that would come are coming in. So this, this, this toy manufacturer, we've probably brought in seven or eight new items over the last month. So that we bring them in and, and we'll, we'll, part of what we've done too, to keep the involvement is we give the product out to employees they bring it to either friends or family they take pictures of it kind of share the excitement we then take those pictures and put them into our listings so it is kind of a group involvement we took the whole team out sledding with the new sleds that we have it, 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 again this is coming back to this point is that they are part of something right they have stake in the game they are they truly are stakeholders not employees agreed hmm. agreed love it I'll, love it love it we also put we have a big 55 inch television and we keep up we put our um, we have the we have a, a software that shows the individual items and how they're selling for the day with pictures of what that item is and then we also have our amazon graph up there that they refresh every 30 seconds so that knowing what kind of a day we're having and what's uh, what's the hot item for the day how often do people bring you product ideas or bring adam i guess uh, um, product ideas or like hey we should look Pretty at this Pretty regularly, to be honest with you. I mean, like you know, in a week, would you get, I mean, would you, is it unusual for you to get a couple a week? I would say, no, probably more one a week, maybe okay. one couple of weeks, but um, for, for legitimate ones. You know, there might, we, a lot of people throw stuff up against the wall that, that kind of gets poo-pooed right away. Okay. But so, for legitimate ones, it happens pretty regularly. And we, in, in part of our staples, that they're only the twos and threes and four percents of our business, but, you know, we'll make... Three thousand, four thousand dollars profit on this one little item that somebody brought in, because nobody. Three percent of ten million is a serious yeah. number, my friend. Yes, <laughs> in the big picture, it's not a huge thing, but you add them all together. I went through. 
with these guys and if I, I named, I think it was 16 or 17 of our top suppliers and I said, what do they all have in common? And, you know, they were guessing the ROI and stuff. But the actual answer was that without any one of those 17 items, we wouldn't have hit 10 million. Uh, interesting. Suppliers, yeah. So those 17 at 300,000 is a big number. If they were all 3% magically just saying that, right? I mean, that's a big number. Yeah, some were huge ones, you know, some were 40%, and the smallest ones were, there were a lot of, I think the criteria was about 130 or 140,000 in revenue. Are, do they, are they as profitable? I mean, looking back, I mean, I know you're, you're really into your numbers. I mean, when you look at some of those things now, uh, are you able to say, yeah, they're smaller, maybe a little, a little more work, yet they're more profitable? Yeah, they definitely. We don't keep them if they aren't. There, there's a bunch of them that we've let go. We're like, okay, that's just too much work for not enough money. But you know, that most of the smaller ones are, are running over 100% ROI. So, so you'll get rid of even though they're they're profitable, they're just yeah. not enough profitable. It's too much work. Yeah. That's a good choice. I yeah, I don't like uh, hassle. I always have a hassle factor. I call it. If I got to do all this and you got to you got to flip this over and you got to add this and then twist it this way. Oh man, I'm out. Yeah. I've, I've already lost interest. Yeah, I'll give you a perfect example. And there's still a lot of people that play in that arena, but Trader Joe's. Yeah. You know, the prices that they sell, the volume that sells is crazy. But just to stay on top of it and the margins that you're going to make isn't worth it to us. Hey, everybody's sold bagel topping, right? Everybody's done that. You know, ooh, I'm dead. I got a new idea. Two-pack. Everything bagel topping, right? <laughs> I got a three-pack idea, Dan. This is going to be impressive. You're going to love this. And I'm going to take what I do different is I'm putting the center one upside down. How right. cool. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get it, I, I and I understand, uh, but there, that doesn't mean that you can't go with a Trader Joe's. You just got to find a way to make it different. Exactly. Yeah, and it's, and it depends on time. You know, we've got we've got other bigger players, so we want to invest more time. It makes it more sense to optimize the bigger players or the more profitable ones. Yeah, yeah. Your time is not your. Even though you have a lot of people, time you're still fighting time and money, right? Like yep. everybody else. Yeah. Yep. Is it easier? doing 10 at 10 million dollars cash flow wise than it was at a million dollars i wish i could say it was <laughs> but and i've said this for since we've been on amazon probably we always run out of money before we run out of two weeks payouts that's crazy yeah we always always you gotta except christmas is an example that was you know that was a pretty big payout but yeah your biggest payout ever ever yeah. ever ever pretty yep. big deal but you didn't have to pay a lot of debt with it, did you? You didn't have to go pay all those millions of dollars you borrowed, did you? You didn't nope. have to pay that Amazon loan, did you? Did not pay, borrow a penny. That's exactly the smart move. And you can still do that at $10 million, but that doesn't mean, that means you don't grow as fast. Fair? That's exactly right. You know, I mean, we, you know, people look at us at 10 like we've scaled it, but it's not a rocket ship that we've been on. Yeah. This is a steady climb, and we take our, our profits and we invest them back in. Um, as I mentioned, we do pay, we compensate our employees very well. So that's all money that could be, if we were bare bound, could be invested back in the product to grow faster. But but let's talk about that for a second deeper. Developing people, you know, you still have to realize that these are human beings that have families and stuff. And so, you know, I've seen some people like, oh, yeah, I pay the littlest amount I can. And, man, I, I, I just, I don't want to work for those kind of people. Do you? No, not at all. And, and you know, it, it sounds kind of corny, but I tell everyone, our guys, that I want this to be the best job that you've ever had. Mm. You know, and and it's not going to be for everybody. You know, not everybody's into it. And we, the two or three that we've lost, it, 
they weren't that fired up about it. But there's a lot of people that are, and they know. And again, I tell them we're probably 20 years from now, we're probably not going to be having a 20th Back Bay Outfitters anniversary. <laughs> You've been going out of business for 20 years, right? right? And hopefully, they'll they'll learn things now that they, and they could. There are so many of our guys that could just take off and run with their own business. You know. I, I tell them all the time they're going to have a skill set when they leave here that they can apply yeah. to everything. And any employer that looks at it and then under, when you start talking and you have this kind of knowledge and this experience, they're going to be like, oh, man, I want you because you, right. you get what it is. Because yeah. that's so hard for people to understand. All right. On the staffing side, any plans to change this year? Anything different that you think you're going to be doing? Uh, no, we're pr I think we're pretty well staffed as is, so we'll just probably fine-tune it a little bit and We've got a couple of college kids that are coming and going, so we don't have any plans. And I'm not going to say this in, within Michelle's earshot. <laughs> I, I don't plan on hiring anyone. In development, though, that's an ongoing thing. Yeah. Every absolutely. week, correct? Oh, I mean, that's, that's our biggest opportunity by far. Is, is, and the more you develop, the more you see opportunity. You know, what was really nice about December, it wasn't nice going through it, but it stressed our system. And, and it showed our flaws and our weaknesses. So now we have something to build on and say, okay, you know, now we know where we break. Hmm. So other but, people would see it as, oh, this was awful. You're seeing it as, okay, now I see the chinks in our armors. Let's, let's smooth them out. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. All right, let's talk inventory flow process. I'm just going through my little list here. And these are kind of things that I, I think you have some unique perspective. Um, really you cool. Just, oh, go ahead. Mind if I just jump back into a minute for, yeah. for that, that business? And you talk about developing people, too. And you and I have talked about this before, too. Um, one of the ways we do develop our employees is we kind of stress them out. And I don't mean emotionally stress them out. I mean just kind of push them to their max put as much on their plate as we think they can handle and see how they do handle it. And then when you find out what their breaking point is, then you find out where your opportunity to grow them is. So give me an example. Um, so I've got our, our number one guy, uh, Adam's right-hand man, Brett. Yeah. So we put, we put him in charge. He whatever he, he whatever he gets involved with, he just masters it. Uh, he brought a wholesaler in, um, just to talk a little bit of numbers, he brought a wholesaler in for Q4. Uh, he spent a hundred thousand dollars on it. Uh, we, he only wanted to spend fifty. We doubled his order to a hundred thousand. Brought in about a hundred and twenty percent ROI, and it'll probably be three hundred fifty thousand in revenue before then. So that's just an example of what he does. So what we did is I put him. I wanted him to be the liaison for every brand. So I wanted him to to touch every brand and know and kind of because he's really good at organization. Organize everyone. So, so wait, but stay on that a second. So what does that mean? Organize every brand. So he's, I mean, are there key metrics for each brand that you have him looking at and then somehow reporting? I mean, how do you know that he's touching each brand? So, so what we look at, what we, how we evaluate each brand on a pretty regular basis is we want to know our in stock level. Oh, okay. Of lost in the in stock level. What are we out of that we shouldn't be out of? What are we have on that we shouldn't be? What's the ROI? What are our winners and our losers? And where are we going with it? What? What? How are we developing it moving forward? Because if you didn't have him doing that, you might look at it in the top view, like everything else. But then, guess what? There's a tractor trailer out front, Dan. You got to, you know, or whatever. Right? Life happens. Right. right. But by right. dedicating that resource, that that's where you've invested your money back into the business, right? Absolutely, yeah, and that's and actually that's probably that the helicopter at the top view is my job, you know, 
but I'm not in there fixing the nuts and bolts. So it's easy for me to say, hey, you know, why are we out of this or what, what's going on over here? Why are we heavy? But without knowing the guts of it. So I kind of what his job was to dig into that. And that's what Adam's job is. Adam's even more fine tuned. He's got a little bit of touch into every brand. But we wanted someone just to be able to organize it and coordinate it. And that's new. Correct. That part, yeah, yeah, and that's and that's still a work in progress. And, and I talk about overstressing somebody, you know, just handing that off to him and saying, okay, you own it, probably was a little more than he could do, but he, he's learning from it. He, he was able to get familiar with all the brands. So now I have to say, okay, what realistically can we expect from this position? So we're back to taking that, that's that development point, right, is getting more from your existing team not necessarily, you know, like you say, working more hours or whatever. You're just taxing yeah. them to work smarter, harder, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Love it. Oh, God, it's so good. Um, so let's talk inventory flow because uh, it's interesting to me. You guys now receive tractor-trailer loads. We do. Shipping uh, by the pallet. You're receiving yeah. by the pallet. You didn't have that luxury, and you're not, not pleasantly in the last place you're at. No, so, we had to our last location so what'd you say, say that again sorry we had, you had to go up and down steps to get into our last building so so this was this is part of the intention uh, of when you're designing that next level business you were figuring out hey let's take away these pain points because this would have been one of those stress points you would have found correct yeah we looked for six months adam and i probably looked at dozens of places that were, were better than what we had but we knew we needed a receiving we wanted a, a level loading dock you know, in a, in a, reset, a, a sunken one, so a tractor trailer go back in, but still function if the UPS guy's coming. We don't want him down in the hole. Could you imagine right now the way your business is, where it's now this huge company, you know, where you're getting tractor trailer after tractor trailer, if you didn't have this, what would that have done to your business? It wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have. I mean, really? I think we're kind of taking advantage of the opportunities because we have them. Mm -hmm. Oh, so that gave you a different perspective. Right. Oh, damn. That's good. All right. Um, expense controls. One of the things that, you know, I think you're in a very good position is your wife is super talented, but she's able to look at a lot of different things. Is that, that another piece of the puzzle? The fact that you're, you're, you know, bookkeeper, I don't want to call her that. Just, I don't want to downplay it, but no, I more in the CFO role. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the fact that she can do that from a step off place like she's not packing i'm sure she has pack boxes but I'm, I'm she's able to look at it separately would you say that that's the way you really have done a great job of managing expenses yeah especially over the last few months because i mean over the years because i'm to be honest with you my and, and adam kind of falls in the same category i'm spends i buy best need to investigate so i would you know, and always want to be overstocked. So what Michelle is really just with now is, you know, analyzing those two weeks payments and saying, okay, these are what we have ahead. This is what we have to put store some away from because you have private label coming in in three months. So she was, she was definitely a stabilizing factor in our financial, uh, financial structure. You probably wouldn't be able to self-finance without it. Is that fair? Yeah, and I probably wouldn't, and I, I could probably, I have that tendency that I would probably be back in the same hole that so many find themselves in is overspending. When you when you have credit and you feel like you can spend money, you don't have to 
have in your hand right away, it's easier to make decisions. Now it's much more critical when we're spending because we know we're not going to be able to spend it on somebody else, something else because we just spent it on, on that. The making those tough choices is important because at least you, you are making a choice because you realize there is a cost no matter what. Every decision, there is a cost. You, uh, you don't just go with, uh, hey, we sold this much last year. It'll sell again, right? Everything's great, right? We can, we've been approved there. We'll always be approved. No. Life is going to happen. And this year is, I think, a really good example of uh, a lot of terrible stuff happened this year, Dan. Yeah, it sure did. That was a tough, tough, tough year. year. Tough year. Um, any policies or procedures that you would want to emphasize? You know, because, again, we're trying to, you know, the premise of this, this 50 plus years of selling is that somebody can enter, you and I both know, 70 year old sellers. Fair? Definitely. Okay. So we know 60-year-old, 50-year-old, 40-year-old, 30-year-old. I even had an 18-year-old seller one time, and, and it was unbelievable. Um, so you can enter at any point. Um, however, again, this is not an easy business. It is work, uh, just like everything else. Any procedures or policies that you think would help somebody new coming into this business that you would say, just don't skip on? Um. Yeah, that's a good question. I, nothing pops right to the top of my head. If I can percolate on it a little bit as we go, I might come up with something. Yeah, it's for me, it's like, you know, uh, you know, good records, you know, not cheating, um, not, you know, following their instructions. I always say that nobody ever calls and says, Steve, you know, we want the, you know, what, what polybag thickness do you think we should be using, right? Or, you know, silly things like that, or these labels and that kind of thing. You just got to follow. There are certain rules you got to follow, and you just yeah. don't cheat on those systems because I, I just think that if you're going to cheat there, it's going to creep into your – those bad habits are going to creep in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hmm. No, I agree. And basically, you just – I guess you the communication tool is a key part of that too is you did it a certain way, and you're just assuming the other people are going to do it that way. So communicating on, on what your policies and procedures are, even though I can't spit them out verbatim right now, Whatever they are, you just want to make sure that they're consistent and you communicate uh, that they stay that way. We're going through an inventory issue, right? We have a client we do inventory for, and it's year-end, so we need to get our inventory right. And so, you know, we literally, certain pallets, uh, items look the same. We shrink-wrap them. Uh, we actually, yep. uh, we literally shrink-wrap them, label all four sides. And so I was just counting some inventory with somebody, walking them through. I'm like, there's not a label on this side. Every side must have a label, so because you never know which way that pallet ends up, you That's want, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, then they they took some items off of a pallet, and we have a, a count on it, and I'm like that counts wrong. When you mm -hmm. take something off a pallet, you got to take the count off of it, so that way you know it's a partial pallet, right? That's a challenge now that we have nine people counting yeah. inventory. Really, a challenge for us. Yeah, that's an opportunity for us as, as a matter of fact. We, like you mentioned, we are getting trailer loads and pallet loads now, but that's fairly new to us. So if there's an opportunity for policies and procedures, that's it. You uh, know. Okay. All right. So that's uh, another weakness in your system. You don't know where your inventory is or how much you have. So therefore, you could address that. Let's talk about that. So you have the two warehouses, and then you're using 3PL. You have stuff in our warehouse. You have stuff in a mega warehouse, right? Yeah, we have, you know, in Iowa, there's a, there's a bonded warehouse where we have a good chunk of our product in. Is that um, the additional cost, you know, when you're figuring that stuff out? I mean, that's really important because now every month you're getting a bill for just sitting there, right? right? So how, how, when you build your models for profitability, you know, how, how, how do you fine-tune that stuff? 
it's it's a it's a discussion for almost every item that we bring in because you've got to figure out do I want to how much do I want to send up to Amazon which which is a new part of that is they're not letting you send up as much right. as you which actually is probably a saving grace because you know if we've had a weakness in the past at sending up too much product but um, so we have to figure out where we want it because so our product is manufactured in Michigan so do we want to spend four thousand dollars to bring it home to Middleborough Massachusetts or do we want to spend thirteen hundred dollars to send it to that bonded warehouse so now we've got you know a couple thousand dollars left over that we can pay some rent on uh, so that that's that's gone into the process all along now now who manages that inventory for you or is that now becoming a new issue for you it's definitely a new issue okay I mean we've got a it's pretty uh, transparent enough that anybody can jump in at any time and, and do a quick update. You know, if I gave Adam an hour, he could tell me where every, what every inventory was in every area. But it's not something we have coordinated at our fingertips. We actually have somebody uh, helping us uh, start to manage it. Yeah. So it sounds like that is the next uh, place that you could put someone who owns that in place, right? Somewhere. Right. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a, that's a pro thing too. I give a shout out to Rosalind Amos. She's uh, been nice enough to volunteer to jump in and try to help us in that area. That's smart. Oh, talent is uh, is out there. If you ask, how hard is it for you to ask? You're the ten million dollar seller, Dan. You're not. You're supposed to know everything. I mean, <laughs> come on. For those of for those people that know me best, they know I know very little. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I know who to go to to get the answers. Hmm. Uh, so I'm not. I, I have no problem reaching out to the newest seller to ask if they somebody found a new tape that they like or a bag that they like or a process. There was, I forgot what it was. It was some some somebody just shared in the tribe recently that was like, wow, I never thought of that. So, so would forty year old Dan been able to ask that question? Yeah, probably not. Okay. Yeah, probably. Okay. So that's where the the maturity yeah. comes in. Not that I called you old, but you, you know yeah. you are I, compared to me. So. Yeah. Just want to get that on record. All right, so we're almost done. I just want to get a couple more things. Um, goal planning. Now, your business grew almost twenty five percent this year, right? Or twenty percent, eight to ten. Yeah. Uh, and you had no plan for it. I mean, it it happened. I mean, you got planned in the middle of the year. It's not like you went on paper and said, "Hey, twenty twenty is going to be our year where we're going to see twenty percent growth." Um, how do you plan to follow that? You know, it's funny, I, I wrestle with that all the time because there are some, you know, I, I listen to a lot of motivation, motivational speakers or books or, or, or uh, videos, and a lot of them have a plan laid out. And in this business, for me personally, I don't see the, for us, I don't see the ability to do that. All we do is we take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of us. And sometimes it runs and sometimes it doesn't. So we don't always know. We haven't always had growth. You know, we went from... Not that they're small numbers, but from like 4.1 million to 4.8 million to 5.4 million. You know, still growth, but it wasn't phenomenal. So we don't know when the home runs are coming. We just take advantage of them when they do. This could be an $8 million year coming in 2021. I hope not. I hope we continue to grow, but we just have to take advantage of the opportunities and, and see what, what's out there. You know, but you're, you're keeping your cost structure, you know, staffing the number two costs you probably have, right? Obviously, cost of goods being number one, but number two would be yeah. staff. By keeping that tight, you're in a position that if it did decline to that, um, you're still able to, to yeah. roll with it. 
we have a lot of flexibility in part timers and um, that we could back off on. But and I really don't hope I really you know don't anticipate that it's going to decline. If anything, twenty twenty one looks like a phenomenal year. Yeah, that's, I'm saying the same thing to the boys. I'm like, oh my god, get ready. This was a tough Christmas. Um, yeah. But man, I lock, see. lock and load. Yeah. Yeah, ready to, ready to go and and the world get, is moving online. An example that I point out all the time ad nauseum to my crew is that if you pass by a Dunkin' Donuts or a Starbucks. The, the drive-through is back to the road and there's nobody going inside. So people just, because of COVID and now the habits that are forming, people don't want to go inside. They want to do their stuff either remotely, online, or, you know, drive-through. So we have to figure out how do we take advantage of that? What items are they going to be looking for that they used to go in the store for? Mm -hmm. Super smart. And, and uh, more importantly, uh, look at yourself. You know, what, what have you not been doing i mean I, I think about this we're just talking this morning my wife and i that we got to place an amazon order today uh we have a bunch of stuff we need that's just the way we do it you know it's like okay what else do we need boom 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 we don't go say hey let's go chase when we first got married i remember us going to like six different grocery stores did you guys ever do that when you when you didn't have oh, a lot of money i'll do shop and shop and yeah yeah we used to do that uh, yeah. we, we don't do that anymore. You're not going yeah. to. You know, it's just like, oh, what do we need from Amazon? Oh, okay, boom, done. All right, that's already here. And we still go out and get a few things, but generally speaking, most of our stuff. So if you're doing that, that guess what? All your friends are doing the same thing. Yep, yep. All right, I want to close out with some life balance tips. Um, you know, you've had a challenging year. You've had some, in the last couple of years, you've lost some family members. You know, mm. um, you've, you've had uh, one of your key employees had some health issues, had real serious health scare. Um, you've had a whole bunch of uh, negatives mm. along with your positives. What, what's keeping you in balance? What's keeping you, you know, going forward? Um, what, what's keeping you with your eye on the prize? And the prize is relative. It's not, I know yeah. it's not money. I know you. It's not money. Well, I think an advantage we have with our company is that, that everybody has that mindset that they own a piece of the company, so they're driving it. So if anyone steps out for a little bit, the show goes on. You know, we might miss a few steps that somebody was covering. But the example, we, I lost my sister this year, so, um, and it was, a, it was a couple of ugly months of a lot of time at the hospital. So I just basically stepped out of the business. You know, I would keep in touch over the phone, but... So Adam, they, the the crew is magnificent. They just picked up the picked up the slack. Um, so we we are family first. Mm -hmm. There's no question for every single employee. You've got something going on at home that takes priority over anything that's going on at work. You know we can we can cover whatever's going on here. So it's been pretty easy. I wouldn't say you know it's being a business owner. There's no way to avoid mega stress. You know, I won't say that I don't wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning sometimes figuring out how we're going to pay for a truckload of big wheels. Hmm. But the balance is we, we just make sure we spend time with the family. And and everybody's, our, our salaried employees are all pretty much 40 hours. That's all we expect out of them. They can't say that they're not answering Slack at 10 o'clock at night or answering email, Amazon emails, you know, on their own, not, not asked to. But. Right, right, yeah. Wow. Dude, I'm just so thrilled for you i'm so excited to see i can't believe that you have the optimism for 2021 to think that you could even do better um but you know if if i if i would sit back and think about it you know the reality is you will because you, right. you've, you've built the 
organization, you've put the right people in the right place, you've given them the tools to be successful, and you're challenging them. I think all those things are what people want in life, um, not to just have a job. Um, so we, we, we did the 10 million this year, and we have a great big whiteboard, and that, we usually put motivational sayings on it. All I did was I wrote it 10 million in great big numbers, and I put what's next. Yeah. And I don't know who did it, but anonymously somebody came in and put 15 million on the board. Wow. So everybody's got their eye on that now. Oh, yeah. dude. Well, uh, I, I encourage people to go back and listen to episode 172 um, to, to get some of the stories so you can, you can figure out um, um, what 20 years of overnight success looks like because um, it wasn't as pretty as it is now. Um, you're not as good looking then as you are now. Um, you definitely look better with that extra yeah. zeros on you um, for sure. You did mention Gay and Gary's group, the, uh, uh, the tribe, Amazing Freedom Tribe. Um, I don't want to downplay it. It is just so important to stay motivated and that group is probably the most motivating group I see. Would you agree? I, I, there's something going on in there that's a magic that I haven't seen in other places. It's just there's not a negative um, comment in the group. It's just all encouraging. Um, people are sharing their numbers. People in the the, the 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 numbers that are being hit by member after member, whether it's their first ten thousand dollar a month, their first hundred thousand dollar a year, their first five hundred thousand dollar a year. Numerous sellers in there have have hit the million dollar mark for the first time in their life when they weren't even close to that before they joined Tribe. It's just uh, uplifting. I, I love hanging out in there. I just do. I like listening to their live videos. I like uh, reading the comments and the tips that each seller gives, and I learn a lot out of it. Uh, 100%, and I'll put a link to it. It is it is by far the best group that I've ever seen, and they just, like you say, I mean, there's just you just it's a winning attitude. So guess what? Most people are winning, and I'm sure they're you know life's happening to them too. You know yeah. because but it happens to all of us. A humble group too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no. I don't see anybody. You know, bad question. You know, or no. dumb question. No, this is. Oh, okay. We've all been there. Let's just remember. So, all right. Well, I want to say thank you so much. I'm so excited for you. Um, I can't wait to see what 2021 brings you. And I'm just so uh, thankful to have you as a friend. And I really appreciate you taking the time for me today, buddy. Steve, I always enjoy talking to you. What a great interview. What a, he's such a great guy, but he's so humble. Um, and he's available. You know, you can reach out to him, you know, private message him. Um, he helps almost everyone, um, you know. And I just think that to be able to be in that position, as I said, he shines lights on other. That's why the light gets shined on him. And so if you're helping others, guess what? Your help will be there for you. You know, just ask. Um, and, you know, Dan uh, admits that he's mature enough now that he can ask. Um, and that's not easy for uh, people I know, even for me. Uh, sometimes. And so, you know, ask for help. Um, and again, what a terrific guy. Great story. And go back and listen to 172. It'll really inspire you. EcommerceMomentum.com. EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.